0: Well, bah humbug. No, I just figured everybody else had said Merry Christmas this morning, so I'd do something different. No, seriously, Merry Christmas. Glad you're here. Um, it's a Christmas Sunday, and I'm just excited about the opportunity to be here and talk about um, the light of Christmas and, and what light means and, and how we can be a part of the light of Christmas. Um, this whole week for, for our family has kind of been the culmination. I don't know, we didn't intentionally plan it to go along with the series, but it's just kind of way our lives have lined up. Um, and it starts back to last Saturday. Um, my, my oldest daughter, Graciela, was invited to a birthday party. And um, I don't know, I didn't realize this as a kid. Maybe, maybe it's always been this way. But you now get party favors um, when you go to kids' birthday parties. And um, I stole my kids' party favors because I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. And um, I don't know if you've seen these or not. But the light theme for us started last Saturday. And, um, and have, have you seen these yet? These are pretty cool right there. How about that? Is that not awesome? Um, and, 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 and what you do, you, you put it on your finger and you got your own little private club. <laughs> anyway, so you have this whole thing going on and, and, and it just, it gives a little light and they, they were at night and they were running around and doing the whole thing and so I thought, man, these are just really cool. So I took them from them um, when they were sleeping and, um, and so I thought I would bring it here and just kind of show you how our whole week started with light. Um, and, and I debated as to whether or not I was going to leave these on for the whole message, um, but I thought, you know, somebody that has the attention span like Dr. Ray would just, he would come up here and, and slap me and take them away from me and put them, because, you know, all the hand motions, and you'll be looking over here at this light, and then there'll be this light over here, and, and now you see how it would work. And I would just move my hands, not really have anything to do with the message to make a point, but just to drive people nuts. Um, but then I thought that might send people into seizures, so I decided not to. Um, but anyway, so... That started our whole week as we came up with lights, and then and one of the things we like to do as a family at Christmas time, it's kind of um, our Christmas thing together, where we try to make memories. Is is we took the kids and went up to Disney, um, and if you've ever been at Disney at Christmas, it's it's a really cool place, really neat place. We went to the Magic Kingdom and. You know, Mickey's house was all lit up, and we, that's Cinderella's Castle, but in our house, it's Mickey's house. Or we call it Mickey's house. So Mickey's house was all lit up, and, you know, all these lights were hanging down and everything, and it changes colors, and it goes through, and you have the wreaths across Main Street, and the kids are just, you know, caught up with all that, and I just love it. I just love the whole feel of it. Um, and then on, on that we did that on Monday night, and then on Tuesday night, we went to the um, Hollywood Studios, and there's a thing called the Osborne Family Lights. And if you ever go to Disney at Christmas time, you have to go see Osborne Family Lights. They have millions of lights and miles of extension cords and they take one whole section and they just light all of the buildings and everything that's in there and it's wrapped. I mean, they lit fire hydrants. They had everything that was possibly could be wrapped in a Christmas light, was wrapped in a Christmas light. And then they coordinate all of that with music and they play all this music and all this stuff going on and... You know, it's, got, um, it's, just, it's just a really neat thing. It was kind of like my kids were watching a tennis match. Their heads were just going back and forth, back and forth, looking at all these lights. And it was just, it was just a great thing and a great um, time for us. And we enjoyed being around all those lights. And then last night was kind of the, the, the period on the sentence for lights as far as we're concerned. We um, headed north up on Prosperity Farms. Um, it becomes a parking lot a little far north of PGA. Um, as you try to get into Snug Harbor, and we went to Snug Harbor for the first time, and um, and that was just that was just amazing. Um, I don't know I, I I don't know what mortgage they take out to pay their light bill during the winter, but. But it was just just really fantastic. And so you have this, you know, cool expression for kids that get all excited with lights on their fingers and, you know, everything that goes on with that. And then you saw the magnificence of a big organization like Disney that goes all out and does their thing. And then you see the commitment to lights by families and homeowners um, to be willing to do that and able to do that. And it's just kind of, you see the whole run of things. And when you get all those lights, you kind of, you know, you kind of get your fill. And that's why this morning I'm I'm a little lit as I stand up. Wait a minute. I mean, I'm lighted out this morning as I stand up here. Um, but, um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not lit I'm, um, yet. But what you do is, is, you, is you kind of get lighted out. You get all these lights in you and all this stuff, and, and you start to think, okay, what can I do, right? I mean, what do I do with all these lights? My, my three-year-old, my soon-to-be three-year-old comes home, and we drive by these houses on our street, and she'll be like, more lights, more lights, more lights. We pull into our driveway, and she's like, Daddy lights our house, which she's saying, when are you going to put the lights up at our house? Not going to happen. Sorry. That's why we drive other places to see what they do. But it really does come to this point where you, you get all this light and you get all this stuff going on and you kind of have to get to the place where, what do you do with all that? What do you do with these lights? And and, and what happens? And, and, and when Christmas, we're talking about love illuminated and how God's love became light and, and you begin to see how all this comes to play, you begin to ask yourself, what do I do with all this light? What do I do with Christmas light? What does it look like, and, and what am I supposed to move forward doing it? Not that we want to skip past Christmas, but begin to realize and understand that God sent his son, Jesus, to be born, and Jesus is the light of the world. What do I do with that light? And as that light begins to fill me up and begins to overtake my life, what do I do to make it so others can see the light? We begin to to look back at our series love illuminated to see God's love and how it came in the in the person of Jesus and we see that light gives life. We know that light gives direction to our lives. Last week we saw that light gives hope and it doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through there's always light at the end of the tunnel and that light name is Jesus Christ. And so no matter what you're going through realize this is that the light provides hope for our everyday living. So now when we, when we begin to understand the symbolism of the light, we saw Mark and Diane light the candle here for Advent. We're talking about the light that has come into the world and how this light light lit up the darkness. We see in John chapter 1 where the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved named John writes about how this light came into the world and it lit the path for others and all that came in contact with this light, their path was lit as well. And we see where later in, in his own ministry in John chapter 8, Jesus actually calls himself The light of the world. And so Jesus is talking about the fact that he is God's love illuminated to us. We can wrap our minds around this idea. and We can understand and we might even get to the point where we've heard before that Jesus is the light of the world. But did you know there's another place in the New Testament where we see the phrase light of the world? There's another place that Jesus actually uses the exact same phrase but applies it in a different way. Different way, different ray, different way. This morning we're going to look at that and see how that applies to our everyday living. So if you have a Bible or a tablet or or phone, whatever you may use, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of St. Matthew, the Gospel according to St. Matthew in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament. And go ahead and start turning um, to uh, Matthew chapter 5. And let me kind of set the stage for what we're looking at as we look at Matthew chapter 5. At this point, the ministry of Jesus has just begun. The public of ministry of Christ is just beginning as we get to Matthew chapter 5. Maybe you've heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, the Sermon on the Mount starts right here in Matthew chapter 5, and it runs through Matthew chapter 7. The beginning of Matthew chapter 5, we have what we call the Beatitudes, and that's where Jesus says, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And you see all the blessings that Jesus gives out to those types of people. And what he's doing at this point in his ministry is he's investing in his disciples and showing them the type of character that's required to live out kingdom living, to show what Jesus expects of those who follow him. And from Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, we have the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We, we see this in, in, in the beginning part of what Jesus teaches. In Matthew chapter 7, he does the and one series where he says, you know, you've heard it taught this, but this is what I have to say. But here in between the prayer that Jesus taught and the Beatitudes, we see where Jesus begins to pour into his disciples and show them how to live the life that will bring honor to God. And so here we are with Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16 this morning. Jesus says this. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, did you hear that? I mean, here's Jesus who says at one point, I am the light of the world. But here in Matthew chapter 5, and talking to a bunch of ragamuffin followers, he sits there and looks at him and says, You are the light of the world. He uses the exact same phrase that he claims for himself, and he's talking to others saying that they are the light of the world. Is this a contradiction? Is, is this, you know, something weird? Have we found an error for the first time ever? Or what exactly is Jesus trying to communicate as he shares with his disciples that they are the light of the world? And what does that mean for you and I if we think about them in the context of them being the light of the world? Jesus, sent by God to be among us, to be his love illuminated to us, showing the way in the darkness, and yet he calls us also to be the light of the world. What does that mean? Well, as we look at this text, I have a few questions I want us to ask and, and to look at as we begin the process. The first question is, is when he says, you are the light of the world, to whom is he speaking? Who is he talking about? And that's the first thing on your notes there. Who is he talking about when he says that you are the light of the world? If you go back to Matthew chapter 5 in the very first verse, He says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying. So basically what Jesus has done is he's taken his group of disciples, he's called them to himself, and he said, look, I have a few things I want to share with you just as we get started here. And this is one of the things that he shares with them. So when he says, you are the light of the world, in the original context, he's talking to his disciples and anybody else that was listening. What is a disciple of Jesus? What is a disciple of Christ? It is a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ. So when we talk about to whom is Jesus speaking, we're talking about anybody who is a follower of Christ. Remember, Jesus didn't call these guys and say, you know, he he didn't post it, you know, on the job search, and they didn't apply for this, and there wasn't an interview process. Jesus went to people as the Father led him, and he said, hey, you, follow me. Hey, you. Follow me. Look, I know you're a fisherman. Follow me. I know you're a tax collector. Follow me. We begin to see where there weren't really any qualifications other than the fact that that Jesus called them to himself. So they were followers of him. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That's what it means to be in relationship with him. We're just following his example, following his teaching, following the way he leads us to go. So when we talk about who is Jesus talking to, he's talking to anybody who's a follower of Christ. If you've come to the point in your life where you realize and you recognize that, that you need help for life, that you need something more than yourself, when you realize that the, the, the sin that we're born with keeps us from having a relationship with God and having life everlasting, and you understand and recognize that the only way you can have that is through a relationship with Christ, you come to the conclusion, you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, then you're saved, and you, and you get to that place of having everlasting life, You become a follower of Christ, and you follow him. So ultimately, Jesus is talking to anybody who's a follower of Christ. And what does he tell us? What does he tell us? What are we? When when we begin to know now who he's talking to, what are we? What exactly does he say? In verse 13, he calls us salt. But in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. That's what we are. That's what we're called to be. We are the light. He doesn't say you should strive to be the light. He doesn't say you should work hard on becoming a light. He says you are the light of the world. So when we begin to think about this and we realize that we're called to be the light of the world, what does a light do? What's the purpose of the light? You think about whether it's a Um, a a light in one of our columns here it's it's a light bulb up there it's the light that's shining here what is the purpose of a light what does a light do Jesus tells us in verse 16 he says in the same way let your light shine before others in one word that's what a light does it shines if a light doesn't shine what do you do well, if you, have a, if you have a lamp and it doesn't work, the first thing you do is you check the light bulb, right? You unscrew it and you shake it to see if it's broken or not. Some of you may have the new energy-efficient light bulbs. You know the other kind, the, the one with the tungsten? Those are illegal January 1st for whatever it's worth. But you get the other kind, it just goes bad. So then what do you do? You know that that's bad, so then you go and check, is it plugged in? Then you go through and you check the wiring. If the lamp, if the whole lamp isn't working, you've checked the wiring, you've checked the light bulb, you've checked all the connections, if it's just not working, what value is the lamp? What do you do with that light if it doesn't work? What's that? I'm sorry? Make it into a hat rack. That's very creative. I like that idea. I need to remember that. Somebody else may just throw it out. Somebody else may donate it. The good Samaritan that you are giving someone a lamp that doesn't work. Some of you may have a garage sale and sell it. When they ask if it works, be like, As is, no warranty. You get rid of it because it doesn't necessarily fulfill its purpose or you repurpose it for something else. But it's no longer effective as a lamp. It's no longer effective as a light because it doesn't shine. So if followers of Christ are lights and if they're the light of the world and the job of that light is to shine, then we aren't very good at what we're created to be if we're not shining. So if we know that we're supposed to shine, the next question is, is how exactly do we shine? How do we do it? What is it that we can do to be able to shine? Notice back in verse 16, what Jesus said. In the same way, in the same way. So he's comparing it to something. What exactly is Jesus comparing it to? In verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he goes in in verse 15, he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. So the first thing you see about the hill is this, is is that a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the first thing he says about the light is that it needs to be up high. You need to have your light up high. Some of you may be familiar with the lighthouse out at Jupiter. You ever been there? Anybody ever seen it? Maybe you've seen a lighthouse somewhere else. Where is the, in the lighthouse, where is the light placed? At the top, right? Why don't they put the light at the bottom? Just curious to know. Have you ever thought about that? It could be the exact same light, exact same lumens, exact same power, but they don't put it at the bottom. Why? Because it doesn't shine as far at the bottom as it does at the top. The reach of the light goes much further at the top than it does at the bottom. And if you're a ship at sea and you're trying to navigate your way in, you want to see that light as soon as possible. You want to be able to navigate your way through as quickly as possible. When you're in the darkness, the earlier you pick up the light, the better off you are. That's why they don't put lights at the bottom of a lighthouse. They put them at the top so it has its greatest impact. The light that we shine as the light of the world needs to be high and prominent and having its greatest reach into the darkness so the first thing you see is compared to a city that's set on a hill you can't hide that you you just see it it pops it sticks out across the horizon the same thing should happen to us he goes on in verse 15 to say the next thing your light should not be hidden it's not hidden the first thing is it should be up high the second thing is it's not hidden I mean what good does it do us to have a lamp and then stick a basket over the lamp right Some of you may remember the song as a little kid, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, what's the second verse go? This little of mine, I'm going to hide it under a bush. And what did the kids say? No. You guys are pretty good. That's not that hard. I could do that. And I'm just kidding. Um, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to put it under a bush. No. No, I'm not going to hide my light. You see, it doesn't do us any good to represent the light of Christ to come into the world. And as it lights up the whole world, if we take a basket and we cover it up, it doesn't do any good for the light. The only thing that this does right here is it'll warm up my hands pretty quickly. Beyond that, it doesn't do any good because we might as well just turn the light out. Might as well turn it off. If you're just going to cover it up, what's the point of shining anyway? So the first thing is, is to have it up high so it has its greatest reach. And the second thing is, is to not let it be hidden. A lot of people. We experience the light. We enjoy the light. We live in the light. We allow the light to interpret the circumstances of our lives. We know that the light makes our life better. But we're a little hesitant to let others see the light. Not because we don't want them to be in the light, but we may be afraid of what they think about me. We may be afraid of what they think about the light that I shine. We may not let that light shine. And in essence, we're hiding the light. And if we're hiding the light then the light that's really shining in us isn't doing us any good. We may think that it's good for us, but the reality is is it's not, because we're not designed to take that light and to cover it up, but instead to let it shine for other people who are in darkness, to be able to see and navigate, know and embrace the light. So how do we shine? We put it up high, and we don't keep it hidden. So now that we understand that we are lights and that we're supposed to shine, now we know how we're supposed to shine, we need to ask the question, why do we shine? Why exactly do we shine? Jesus tells us in verse 16. In verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We shine our light for others to give glory to God. You see, the light is good for us and it gives us life. It gives us direction and it gives us hope. But the ultimate thing is is that light is not to be kept for ourselves. God shines his light in our lives so that we can in turn shine it for others so that they can come to know God, so that they can give glory to God our Father. That's why we shine our light so so others outside of us who are stumbling in the darkness may know God so that they can see the light. That's the why. Now, usually I try to make it real application-oriented, and I try to say, okay, this is what God has said in his word, and this is, this is the, the, these are the points that he's trying to make. How can we intersect this with our daily lives? The good thing about today is that it's really easy because Jesus did it. Jesus, took, taking his disciples at the beginning of his ministry, sat them down and said, you're the light. This is how you need to shine, and this is exactly what you need to do. And he gave us the application right in the middle of his teaching. Again in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. How do you apply letting your light shine to everyday life? You do good works. You let them see the good works in your life. It's an easy thing. Just do good things. Do good works. That could be a whole assortment of different things. It could be a random act of kindness. It could be an intentional thing. Think about this week, just even in the context of Christmas, something that you could do. Um, maybe you bake cookies or, or do something around Christmas time. Well, what you need to do is you need to take those cookies, and you know this big batch of cookies, right? You bring half of them to the church. You take the other half, and you, I just said that because John, John really likes Christmas cookies, so that would be for John. Um, but, but you take the other half and share them around your office. It's great to have them for family, but just double the recipe and take some to the work. take some to work. Or maybe um, you can do something like uh, paying for the meal for the person behind you at the drive-thru. You say, well, they'll never know who I am. It's okay. You've done something good for them. You've been a blessing to them. You've done a good work because the recognition isn't for you. The recognition is for them to get to know God in some way. Maybe it could be as simple as holding a door for somebody. I remember when I moved down here in 1997, 17 years ago, and, and, and I went to Roadhouse Grill and I held the door open for people as they came in. And I got the weirdest looks ever. Because you, you just don't do that. It's odd for South Florida that someone would do that. And I wasn't doing it for recognition. I just grew up where that's what you do for people, right? You can do small things like that. You can smile at somebody. You can look them at the, in the eye when you have a conversation with them. Instead of passing somebody in the hall and being like, hey, Merry Christmas, you can be like, hey, how are you doing today? And not be like in your hurry to go somewhere else. What are good things you can do? You can go to your neighbor. You can offer to to mow their lawn. You can offer to, you know, put up Christmas lights. I don't know what you can do. You can come up with any kind of host of things you could possibly do. Maybe you know somebody this Christmas that's going to probably spend it by themselves. Or maybe they've lost someone in the past year. Invite them to your home for Christmas. Have them come in. I have never heard of a single family running out of food at Christmas. You'll be okay. Trust me. Put them at the kids' table. They'll still be happy. Invite somebody in for Christmas. There are lots of good things, good works that we can do. And it's easy to come up with them, especially this time of the year. To try to help us understand, I want us to think about the moon for a second. This past week, there were some beautiful moons out. I don't know if you noticed, but there was like full and bright. A couple of nights, it was a little orange, but most of the time, it was just white, and it was just bright, and it just shone. And it really caught my attention. One night, as I was taking the dog out, and I was looking around, and I thought, I'm not used to seeing shadows. What's going on? It's 10 o'clock at night. Why are there shadows on the ground? And then I looked up, and I realized that the moon was just overpowering. It was almost, I'm not going to say so far it was like the middle of the day, but it clearly was lit more than normal. And I began to just kind of look and think about the moon and how the reality is, is that the moon shines brightly. And, and the creation account in Genesis even talks about how God put a great light at night in the sky. And we know that to be the moon because it lights everything up. But if you know anything, going all the way back to elementary science, you know that the moon in and of itself, doesn't give off light. It's just a rock floating in space. But the moon reflects the sun. So when the sun shines off of the moon, the moon reflects that to the earth, and we have moonlight. And when the moonlight hits you in the eye like a big pizza pot, that's a different message, sorry. But it lights things up, and it gives illumination to everything that's going on. But in and of itself, excuse me for a second, (coughs) Sorry about that, Mike. But in and of itself, it doesn't provide light. It merely reflects the light that's hitting it. If I can show it another way, just for a minute, if you would think about this. If everything were to go dark around there, and go ahead, Mike, if you would. If everything were to go dark around you, except for the light that shines on me. Now, some of you may be able to say some residual lights, and you here in the front can see a little bit more than I but you would have a hard time reading my notes other than the fact that the light is shining on them. I can read them just fine. Perhaps my head is glistening with Christmas sparkle this morning, um, and and, and that may give off a little extra light. But the reality is that this light that's shining down on me is predominantly for my purpose, for my benefit. It gives me light. I'm not going to trip. I'm not going to stumble. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to lose my way. This light is good for me, but it doesn't necessarily help you very much. It's not until I take the light that shines on me and I choose to be a reflection to others that it does any good. You see, when the light bounces off me and I choose to reflect it into the life of others, then you can begin to see what's going on around you. You can begin to understand and realize that the light isn't just intended for me, but it's really intended for others as well. So it comes down, and sure, I still have the benefit. I still have the goodness of it. I don't lose anything by doing this. But it helps you a whole lot more. Now, there are going to be times when the intensity is a little greater than others, and you can see how how this becomes a little bit. It's a little bit like a spotlight. There you go, Dr. Ray. Sorry. Canaan, there you go, spotlight. You know, up here in the booth, there you go, John. Wave. All right, good. So, but it's a little more intense, but the point is this, is that the reflection of the light is not just good for me, but it's good for those who sit in darkness. And if I'm not reflecting the light, then it doesn't do anybody else any good. So the light shines in our lives for for our own benefit, but we're then to reflect it onto others. That's what makes us the light of the world. If there's one main thing I want you to walk away with today, it's this. Do good and be in the light. Do good and be the light. Now, for those of you that are grammar technicians, that's two things. Deal with it. Merry Christmas. It's free. The one main thing is this. Do good and be the light. Because here's the thing. is This statement that I heard a long time ago is probably never been more true in my life than, than, than as I understand it right now. You may be the only Jesus that other people see. You may be the only expression of Jesus Christ that other people actually see. They may never walk through the doors of a church. They may never listen to a Christian radio station. They may never understand all that God has for them other than what they see you projecting in your life. And this is true. And it's actually theologically accurate. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Look, it's no longer me who's alive. It's no longer I that live, but it's Jesus Christ that lives within me. The old part of me is gone. He's history. It's the new part. It's Jesus living through me that other people can see. That's where we take the light that God sent in Jesus and we reflect it to others. He's the light of the world. So we can be the light of the world. Christmas is the celebration of Advent. It's the celebration of the coming of Christ. We light these candles to represent different things. And ultimately, we'll light the the tallest candle, the Christ candle, on Tuesday night. And it's a representation of the light coming into the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world. But he also calls those who 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 are his followers to be the light of the world. So if there's something I want you to do this week, I want you to go shine. This Christmas season, find a way to go and shine. There's no better time to shine than Christmas. Millions and millions of people this past week watched a cartoon with a blue blanket walk to the middle of a stage and present the gospel story of God sending His Son to the earth. Peace and goodwill toward men. Millions and millions of people will walk in department stores and malls and everything else over the next three days, and they're going to hear, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. That's the gospel message. At no other time are people hearing the story of light coming to earth than they do at Christmas time. And they may not even realize how open and receptive they are to taking that message and making it a reality in their lives. You see, the Christmas story really is about sharing the light. God sharing the light of His Son with the earth. The angels sharing the light of Jesus with the shepherds. And if you read the story as it continues on, what did the shepherds do when they saw the light? They ran through the city and told everybody else what had happened. They took the light that they experienced and they shared it with others. They reflected the light. So we are the light of the world. We can share with others this Christmas season as we shine brightly, as we do our good works, as we hold them up high, as we don't hide the light, but instead we bring light to those who are around us who are stumbling around. We are the light of the world. Would you join with me in prayer as I ask God to help? With heads bowed and eyes closed, just if you would today, if you would consider the reality that you need a Savior. Maybe you've never um, really been to church, never really been engaged in church. But today I want you to know that God loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus. That if you believe in Him, you can be saved and have everlasting life. Today I want you to come into the light. To come and to receive all that God offers you through relationship with Jesus. Paul tells us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, then we too can be saved. Just in the quietness and the stillness of the moment, if you would do that as God leads you. Maybe you're here today and you realize we have an opportunity to shine our light in the darkness. That we can be a reflection of the advent of Christ to others as we celebrate Christmas. If you would, just ask God to give you wisdom and courage and show you ways in which you can be light to the people that are around you. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I pray that in these moments you would just speak to our hearts and minds. God, I pray that you would show us how how we can walk in your light. God, how we can come into the knowledge of who you are and all that you have for us. God, that we might be saved today because you came. Because you came as a baby, but you died as a Savior. And God, I pray for others that are here today looking for opportunities to do good works. I pray that you would help us, especially during this season, but well into the days ahead, in the weeks, in the months, and the years. God, help us to do good works so that other people will come to know who you are. In the Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.